Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the Verdant Forest and the Velociptarian Brent. Oh my <laughs> god. Yeah, that's true. Brent worships velociraptors oh, okay that's, that's what that's about that i thought true. so we haven't really talked about it too much here but it's true and i thought everyone deserved to know <laughs> thanks for outing me damn it velociraptarian <laughs> add that to your damn dictionary oxford <laughs> and forest i just went with the uh the forest forest pun because okay. um i'm a hack i'll admit uh. <laughs> And so before we begin, we have a few announcements. Uh, one is Patreon related. First, we'll just remind you all that for $1 a month, you can support the show and get a shout out at the top of the episode as soon as you begin to patronize us. And for $5 a month, you get access to our monthly bonus episodes. The next one is coming out this Tuesday and only a little bit. So sign up and you'll get that episode, which is about Brent's personal relationship with Clown College Extraordinaire, <laughs> the College yes. of the Ozarks. So you will definitely want to check that out. Just in time for the release of It. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> little known fact, It is an analogy, an allegory about the College of the Ozarks. Uh, little known fact. And so it's a bit of investigative journalism because Brent was there live on the scene as a young man, and he's going to let us know all about the hijinks that went on there. And um, also, lastly, uh, we are on Twitch. Um, I do some Twitch streaming, and we had to take a break because I gave the first official wedding of the Ordinarium. Yes. I actually married two people. They required my signature. I had to do that. <laughs> And for that reason, I had to take a break off last Tuesday. But this Tuesday, the same day that the uh, new bonus episode is released, I will be streaming Final Fantasy VI at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come out. And for links to our Twitch channel and our Patreon account and all of that stuff, head on over to nundarecallitordinary.com slash links. All right. And so what is it we're talking about today, Dylan? We are once again continuing our Alex Jones series. Today, we're kind of stepping back. We've looked at some of the kind of specific episodes, 9-11, Waco, the Oklahoma City bombing. But today we're going to do two things. One, we're going to get a broader picture of who Alex Jones thinks is running the entire planet. Yes. And his overall conspiracy theory about what's going on in the world. And we're also going to dive into the birth of InfoWars. So we get this full picture. This We get this big picture from Alex Jones in his documentary, Endgame, Blueprint for Global Enslavement. And this documentary starts with the way Alex Jones thinks we're heading. It starts with a future dystopia. In this future, Earth is dominated by a one-world government, ruled by a tiny elite, while the rest of us are merely slaves. Where's the Bitcoin time traveler fit in here? I'm, I'm wondering if he can kind of merge these theories with Alex Jones's. Maybe. I think these are different canons, though. I don't yeah, think... Okay, bit you're right. Sorry, I'm trying to Different dystopian futures. One is decentralized. This one is highly centralized. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point, good these point. are the two... Yeah, these are the two extremes of the dystopia. <laughs> and I would love to see an Alex Jones Bitcoin time traveler debate. I'm just going to put that out there. If they could get that set up, oh, yeah. I, would, uh, I would pay money to watch that. Me too. Maybe they could have Ron Paul come on and Ron Paul can explain 
explain that if they just used gold, none of this would have happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Also, in this future, there are no more countries, ah. no countries at all. And that's got to be a real administrative hassle for this tiny elite. I don't know how they're running this show. <laughs> I guess John Lennon finally got his wish, too, which is good. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the little known fact is that John Lennon was grossly authoritarian. <laughs> and this is exactly what he meant. By getting rid of religion and countries. Yep. All forms of independence have been curtailed and families and individuals themselves have almost ceased to exist. Now, Alex <laughs> Jones says this. I get families. I get how there's almost no families, but I don't get how there's no individuals. Also, I, I know I said I wouldn't talk about Marvel films, but anyway, I'll do it again. I do find it hilarious that individuals fade away into non-existence in Alec Jones's endgame and also in Avengers endgame. So that's a, a little bit of a... Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Strange. Oh, man. 80% of the population, or 6 billion people, have been killed. Jesus. The rest of us are crammed into giant megapolises. So think like Judge Dredd. We're all living in these big old mega cities. Travel is highly restricted. The main method of restriction are giant super highways that connect the megacities with no off-ramps for restricted areas. I just like how specific this all is. It's like we're reading the Book of Revelation or a Paul Potter UFO book, something like that. Yeah, it's that's Very the kind specific. of level of specificity yeah. that Alex is uh, is aiming for. Privacy is also a thing of the past with, quote, AI supercomputers chronicling literally everything we do. Well, I mean, I guess you got that part right. Yeah, but sadly, they're using it to sell us like, you know, cat litter and shit like that. It's, it's not, <laughs> not nearly as fun as this dystopia would make it out to be. This dystopian New World Order vision is documented on the Georgia Guidestones, hmm. which are these mysterious stones that kind of popped up one day in the kind of middle of nowhere in Georgia, and they had a kind of very New World Order flavor to them, and they called for global laws and courts and population control to ensure we never get over 500 million people. And it should be noted, though, that the elites are kidding themselves if they think eliminating 80% of the population is going to do the trick then. It's closer to like 94%. So they better they better retinker their mass murder yeah. techniques or they're, they on. are not going to hit this target. Also, given the secrecy of the NWO, this is kind of something we talked about in the last episode. It's weird that they just put their manifesto in the middle of some random fields <laughs> on these giant stone tablets. I just don't I don't see what they're up to. This is like pre-internet troll tactic, I think. Yeah. They probably purposely placed them next to some hidden bronze plaques. So only in uh, oh. you know, our parks. <laughs> that's how you yeah. know it's over when there's a bronze plaque for the Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> and then that's that's it. It's all done. One of the major heroes of Endgame is Dr. Michael Kaufman, who has a Ph.D. in forest science. He apparently thwarted the New World Order by blocking the Senate ratification of the Convention on Biological Diversity. There is actually I, I tried to do some investigation about who this guy is. There's incredibly little information about him, but I was able to find out that he did pass away in 2017, at least according to Infowars. You may wonder what forest science and biological diversity have to do with the New World Order. It turns out that a key component to this conspiracy is that environmentalism is a front for the international cabal to steal our land and eliminate as many people as possible. Yeah, meanwhile, you know, we just discovered recently that Alex Jones' pick for president and favorite person, Donald Trump, suggested that government seize private property to build his wall, and if laws are broken in doing so, he'll pardon people that go to jail. So that's nice. Well, see, the difference, though, is that that's not to protect trees. That's, <laughs> that's fine, because that's when you point. use it to protect trees, what that is code for 
is killing people. That's true. I just want for every tree you grow, you've killed a baby. And I, I just want to note here the evolution from the previous episode. So the UN isn't just going to sell off our national parks to corporation, but literally kill every person they can who happens to wander into Yellowstone. That is the evolution of Alex Jones thinking on the UN. The great campers genocide is coming, people. It's right around the corner, people. Do not go to your national parks. (laughs) State parks only. States rights, states parks. That's right. Dr. Kaufman also lets us know that all empires, including the Roman Empire, the Soviet Union, and Nazi Germany were all premised on creating a utopia for, quote, the average person. (laughs) Now, I'm honestly not so sure if that's true for the Roman Empire, but I'm pretty (laughs) definitively sure it's not true for Nazi Germany. I'm just going to I think he's wrong about this one. I mean, unless the ordinary person is a blue eyed, blonde haired guy with an Olympian <laughs> body perfectly engineered by eugenesis. Yeah, that's if true. That's- yeah. If you redefine ordinary, then I guess he's right. Um, yeah. And, you know, we know the Nazis were really into that kind of physique because they had statues of naked dudes who look like that all over town. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So now speaking of the historical record, at this point, Alex Jones goes back through history, the history of the New World Order. This isn't new, people. This has been going on for a long time. Babylon, Egypt, Greece, and Rome were all bent on world domination. And Lyndon LaRouche is real happy that we're finally (laughs) talking about Babylon again. I mean, it's been far too long. Apparently, the global elite didn't have much going on between the fall of Rome and the 15th century because Alex Jones just skips over that whole period. (laughs) Just fall of Rome and then picks up. Yeah, that's whatever. They took a break. That was the, <laughs> the period the New World Order was like, eh, you know, this is getting boring. Let's yeah. take a break. Wow. Well, you know, the Dark Ages really sucked. Maybe we need the global elite. Otherwise, yeah, right? slip back to that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. That's what they were yeah. doing. They were kind of like holding back and letting get everything suck. And so people would be clamoring for a global elite. How do you guys like this decentralization thing? Not very yeah, cool, is not it? working out so good for you. So we pick back up during the Renaissance, and this is when we see the rise of powerful financial institutions who are able to finance the nobility and merchants' desire for empire. These banking families who just happen to be Jewish would even finance both sides of a war to hedge their bets. And by the way, this claim gets made a lot, and not even just in Endgame, but all over the kind of conspiracy landscape that they they invested in both sides of the war so they would make money no matter what. But that doesn't actually make a lot of sense. It's like if you invest in both Uber and Lyft, you don't win no matter who wins. If you invest in Uber and they go under, you lost all that money. <laughs> so... You, yeah. can't, you can't just automatically hedge your bets and bet on both sides of a war. It doesn't work that way. Wait, wait. Are you telling me if I invested equally in the Allies and the Axis during World War II, I would have only broken even? No way. <laughs> I I know it's hard to believe, but How? it's just the facts of the matter. Oh. And it's also when they talk about financing, it's I assume they just mean giving loans. And again, The Nazis didn't pay back those loans. You know what I'm saying? They're gone. They don't (laughs) exist. Um, The vanquished generally um, are bad, are bad uh, debtors. That's all I'm saying. That's a pretty good point. The bankers even developed extensive spy networks so that they could learn more about the wars that the governments were fighting than those governments themselves. And this gets us to the prime example that Alex Jones uses Nathan Rothschild, and I'm sure you've heard that name before, at least the last name. 
Spooky. Scary stuff. So specifically, this involves Nathan Rothschild and Napoleon. When Napoleon was defeated at Waterloo, a spectator was able to quickly reach London and inform Nathan Rothschild of Napoleon's defeat 20 hours before anyone else in London knew. With this info in hand, Nathan Rothschild spread a rumor that Napoleon had in fact won. This caused stocks to collapse by 98%, allowing Nathan Rothschild to buy, quote, the entire British economy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Once the real news came to London, stock prices soared, making Nathan even richer than he already was. Now that's winning, you know? He's definitely winning. If you own the entire economy, how do you become richer? (laughs) That is something Alex didn't think through, right, I guess, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. Hopefully the British economy did not include pet rocks and pogs <laughs> because that <laughs> is not the winning part of the economy. And Alex Jones ends this section with this, quote, Britain was now the undisputed ruler of Europe and Rothschild ruled England. <laughs> so there's just one problem with the story. It's that it's mostly false. As, <laughs> I guess that's a problem. As reporting from The Independent explains, the story first emerged in a pamphlet 30 years after Waterloo by an author going under the pseudonym Satan. Oh, OK. Good rule of thumb is to not believe anything written by Satan. Let's just. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say is, I think I agree He is with the father of lies. Do not listen <laughs> yes. to him. Yes. This version is slightly different than Alex's. This is kind of the pure version of this of this myth. In this version, Nathan Rothschild himself was the spectator of Napoleon's defeat, and using his vast wealth, he rushed home to London and even paid off a fisherman to sail him across the channel over rough waters. Satan was actually George Dernval, a virulent anti-Semite. Oh, of course. course. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's related to him lying in this manner, but you know, we'll never know. (laughs) But the pamphlet's story was easily debunked. Nathan Rothschild was nowhere near Waterloo, and there was actually no storm on the channel that night that he would have to pay (laughs) someone to boat him through. So that doesn't even make any sense. And these little facts are the reason that the story was mutated into something more like Alex Jones's version, where instead of Nathan Rothschild getting the information firsthand, a spectator is the one who brought the information to him. But even that version, even this lighter version of the story doesn't work for the simple reason that there simply was no stock market crash in England, which would have allowed Nathan Rothschild to clean up and, quote, own the entire British economy. Oh, wow. Man, this stories fall apart. But the story does have the barest sliver of truth. There was a spectator who brought the news of Napoleon's defeat to London before any official declaration. So there was an official government guy on horseback who came later, uh, but this guy got there soon. But Nathan Rothschild was not the only person to learn this. In fact, it was printed in three newspapers. Well, there was no Fox News at the time, so we know this was automatically fake news. Yeah, that's a good point. And Nathan Rothschild did buy stocks, and there is evidence that his investments were successful as a result of this news. But not nearly as successful as people who bet on Britain much earlier and made much more money than Nathan Rothschild did. That's just how it works. Wow. Again, hold on. Are you telling me that the people who bought 
in at larger amounts and lower prices than Rothschild made even more money than Rothschild. No way. How else? I mean, how did he buy the whole British economy? If this is true, Dylan. I, I know. I know. It. It's hard to believe, but he might not have bought the whole thing. I mean, that's, I think, going to have to be our official stance. Oh, no. Okay. As hard as it is to All believe. Right. I'll believe it this time. All right. So this old stuff, you know, that's old. Who cares? Let's talk about the 20th century. Specifically, let's start with World War One. World War One was, of course, caused by who else but the banking cartel. Oh, yeah. And not the Jewish banking cartel at all, that's right. right? No, no, that's no, no. just a weird coincidence. Oh, okay. <laughs> just like it's a weird coincidence that the Rothschild story was started by a crazy anti-Semite. <laughs> yeah, you know, even Strange. anti-Semites can be right once in a while, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about, Forrest? What about, yeah, what about, what about? Dr. Kaufman himself is the one who tells us that World War I was caused by the banking cartel. I was unaware they taught this kind of thing in a forest science program, I have to I, admit. <laughs> I think it's in the undergrad forest science program. It's it's an elective course. It's called The Secret History of Banking Cartel 101. But Oh, interesting. Yeah, That's mean- an interesting interdisciplinary program they've got going on. <laughs> I had no idea. And so the Rothschilds loaned money to armaments companies who, of course, sold weapons to both sides of the war. Oh, you gotta hedge your bets, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dr. Kaufman also says that World War One was caused because they, unspecified, wanted to form the League of Nations, which is just the New World Order with a fancy name. Now, I thought the League of Nations was formed because of how scary World War One is, but that's just because I'm a sheeple and don't know what I'm talking about. Also, it's kind of we mentioned this last time, but the New World Order, they had to start an entire world war and deal with all that nonsense instead of just having the power to do this outright. It shows <laughs> they have their limitations. Now, in a very LaRouchean kind of theory, Alex Jones goes on to argue that the League was just a British disguise for the framework for a world government. According to Kaufman, Woodrow Wilson was a, quote, very naive president. He was a big booster of the League, but was unable to convince Congress to sign the treaty. Mm. But the global elite aren't going to let a little thing like representative democracy get in the way of their agenda. So British intelligence teamed up with the Rockefellers, of course, to form the Council on Foreign Relations in 1921. (laughs) It gives me chills. And we saw how evil these people were from the last uh, episode. We talked about the 9-11 documentary. So, oh, yeah, they are ruthless, ruthless to the extreme. Rubbing your face in the horror. The Council on Foreign Relations recruited people into the globalist fold to pave the way to the U.S. officially recognizing the League of Nations toward an eventual, even more extreme future. Quote, the CFR's stated mission is to abolish all nation states in favor of an all-powerful world government administered by a tiny elite. It should be noted, though, that the Council on Foreign Relations... They do have a mission statement. I, you know, I was surprised to find that, but it is a lot more boring than that. Also, officially, the Council on Foreign Relations does not take any institutional stances. So I don't think they would officially make a statement like this they one. They only take global domination stances. So I guess that's, that's true. That's yeah. not an institutional stance, I guess. But sadly, by the 1930s, the global elite had split into two camps, the Fabian Socialists in London and the fascists in Germany and Italy. And this is maybe like the most made up thing in all of the Alex Jones mythos. It's like so incredibly false. I don't I don't even know where to begin. I mean, <laughs> if anything, in Germany and Italy, the opposite happened. The elites in Germany were basically overturned by Hitler and his ragtag group of derelicts. That's I mean, 
there's that. And then if you, he doesn't say, he says Fabian socialists here, but he also says that they were part of like the communists too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And Lenin, you know, newsflash was not part of the elite either. So I don't understand where any of this comes from. Um, It came from his mind, which is the authoritative <laughs> source yes. for this documentary. On his supplements, which I don't mean to spoil, but his brain X. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can spoil a supplements. I think they come spoiled. I think that's a... Uh, <laughs> They're, the manufacturing right. standards are not up to oh, yeah. the high standard required. Yeah, fuck regulations. Now, despite all the truth that Forrest just said, we're going to ignore it and uh, continue <laughs> with this narrative. The key difference between the Fabian socialists and the fascists are that the fascists were revolutionaries while the Fabian socialists were incrementalists. The fascist even tried to take over the U.S. by attempting to recruit Smedley Butler into a plot to establish a dictatorship via a march of veterans onto Washington, which sadly never happened and might have been a hoax perpetuated against Smedley Butler. But that's a story for another day. Once the war ended, the global elite again tried to use the war as an excuse to impose world government. But this time, fellas... They succeeded, and they founded the UN in 1945. Fuck. Next up, obscure bronze plaques in national parks, guys. That's that's the... They're slow. It's their incrementalists. That's the first little step. (laughs) It took them several decades to get to that first step, but, you know, slowly, it's a tortoise and the hare. That's right. The elite are the tortoise, and freedom is the hare. And, you know, who's going to win? I think it's going to be that tortoise. After forming the World Council, they began the next phase of their global takeover, the formation of continental superstates. The first of these was the European Union. This started officially with the Council of Europe in 1949. After the EU, the next superstates to be formed were the North American Union and Asian Union. These would be the three primary forces of the world government, with the UN dealing with all those pesky third world countries. You know, we don't have to worry too much about them. Now, we keep talking about they. They're doing this. They're doing that. Who is they? Well, at the top of Alex Jones's pyramid of global enslavement is the Bilderberg Group, founded in 1954. And, and again, just so we're clear, it's not to be confused with Build-A-Bear Group, which is equally evil organization. So two, two separate evils. Their members go on to head the next level below of the roundtable groups like the Council of Foreign Relations. Alex Jones goes to Canada in 2006 to yell at the Bilderberg Group's hotel through a microphone. Despite being in Canada, Jones goes with the line, The answer to 1984 is 1776. Michael Moore should really have just named his new documentary. The answer to 9-11 is (laughs) 11-9. So So after this, he goes to, quote, talk to the citizens of Ottawa to see what they know about the nefarious force taking root in their town. As with all of his documentaries, this really just means yelling at a group of people out of nowhere about the evil elite (laughs) and then feeling really smug that you know more, that Alex knows way more than all of them. And I'm sure like the British and Europeans, the the Canadians were much too nice to the screaming lunatic. Yeah, they mostly just walked away. I mean, it was really, uh, you know, that's that's basically it. Man, I hate those Alex Jones interviews where he just name drops and yells and spouts off a bunch of supposed facts like god it's so annoying so you mean you hate alex jones interviews yeah <laughs> yes i do I, I i like what you said about the smugness there's this, this very smug aspect to it too yes i hate alex jones interviews with people <laughs> and i hate the way he uses the bullhorn and i hate the way he ambushes the people he interviews too but anyway yeah that's that so now we know the they the they is the bilderberg group and under them like the council on foreign relations world bank imf all these characters 
And they've already started. We've got the EU people, the proud, you know, Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage are trying to beat back the EU, but it's still here and it's still plunging its tentacles all over Europe. But what about the North American Union? That hasn't happened yet, but they are trying. Believe us. A key component of this, for some reason, has to do with the most nefarious piece of infrastructure to confront humankind. That is, of course, the highway. Uh, (laughs) I guess the byways are just giving a pass. The globalist elite were planning on building a, quote, NAFTA superhighway from Mexico to Canada, starting with the Trans-Texas Corridor. There are even maps from North America's Super Corridor Organization, NASCO, depicting where it will be built. The Trans-Texas Corridor would even be built by a foreign company from Spain. Oh, what? Wow. And they would collect all tolls generated by the use of the Trans-Texas Corridor. It's like the Trump wall speech. We will build a NASCO and Spain will pay for it. <laughs> but it's even worse because they're building it too. They're doing all of it. Yep. The Trans-Texas Corridor would also eliminate off-ramps to oh, rural communities, God. killing them and forcing everyone Jesus to move God. to the big city. <laughs> I took that literally, like they're going to literally kill these small town folks. No, they're going to just starve them. I mean, we could have a doing versus allowing harm distinction, but I think, you know, mm-hmm. making it so they starve yeah, to death. this is like, like what Stalin did to Ukraine, basically. Yeah. So, except, of course, none of this is true. Aww. And this was actually uh, briefly mentioned in the uh, previous episode, uh, part two of our Alex Jones series, about how NAFTA superhighway is just a phrase used by NASCO to refer to I-35. <laughs> and all those scary maps you see of, like, where the highway is going to be, quote, built are just maps of existing <laughs> highways, including I-35. <laughs> and also, the... Trans-Texas Corridor was a real project, and Texas was considering a Spanish company to build it, um, but this wasn't in the name of New World Order. They just wanted better roads. This Trans-Texas Corridor (laughs) thing sounds like some SJW shit. Oh, that's a good point. I don't like this. Yeah. I want a cis Texas oh. corridor. That's the only corridor I'll accept. Goddamn right. <laughs> Except you don't call it cis and use their vocabulary. You call it normal, boy. That's right. The normal corridor. The normal Texas corridor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember I had to take a class out of a local high school and my, to get my driver's license. And the textbook was a small book called The Rules of the Road. I remember it basically was just basically a you know, New World Order globalist takeover content um, going through it. I mean, there was a part about an Illuminati three-point turnabout in there, so that's when you knew. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And actually, you know, I think Jones missed an opportunity. This film should have been the one called Roads to Tyranny. This is better than the last. That's how they get you. Yeah, many roads. Plural. Exactly. Also, a couple of other things to point out about this kind of spooky story about the uh, Trans-Texas Corridor. Since the Spanish company would be the ones spending the money to build the thing, it only makes sense that they would be they would be the ones making money off of it via tolls. So that's not really nefarious. And just because the Trans-Texas Corridor didn't have off-ramps to rural places, which it that's not what it was for. It was for more long-distance traveling. It's not like you couldn't use any of the other roads in Texas to travel <laughs> to these rural places. It's not like they're just going to be blowing cut up those roads. Yeah, they're not blowing up those roads. Alongside that was, building this. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't part of the story. But, you know, all that said, the project did have legitimate critics. Uh, there were people who worried about the environmental impact on the Trans-Texas Corridor. There was worries about the use of eminent domain to take private land to build it. And so the project officially died in 2010. Fuck yeah. The answer to 1984 is 2010. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I guess that's true. That's, 
Let's take it back. That horrible phrase. It makes no sense. The last main part of this documentary is about eugenics and population control. And there's some exaggerations in it, but I'm not going to go into it because it's basically right. You know, I mean, eugenics was a real thing. It kind of basically was born in the United States. It was really fucked up. The Rockefeller Foundation was really big into reducing population control. That was a very real, very popular idea. I mean, Lyndon LaRouche, again, was kind of sort of, I mean, of course, we're not like going in and mowing people down, um, (laughs) but this was a real thing that people thought would be great, and it wasn't great, and it was terrible. And the podcast Future Perfect actually has a really good episode on the Rockefeller Foundation and how they stopped being immoral idiots on this front. You know, I disagree with all this. If we get eugenics, we get con and he'd bring order to the world. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, wait, so so we're clear here. We are talking about con from Star Trek, right? Not Jonathan Con of the MAGA church. So just, well, of yeah, course. ooh, that okay. sounds like That's the download process to me that you figure that out. <laughs> yeah, there it is right there. Download 21. Process. Now, 21. So that is the Endgame documentary. That's the big picture. It's all about highways, and it's all about global enslavement. (laughs) But how is Alex getting this information to you? Well, his main vehicle has been InfoWars, and Forrest has more to say about that. That's right. InfoWars. There's a war on your mind. (laughs) InfoWars.com is at the center of Alex Jones' conspiracy business. It was founded in 1999 and is currently under the ownership of Free Speech Systems LLC, which is owned by Alex Jones. According to the About section on InfoWars.com, Quote, the manipulation of facts and the slow, relentless war on reality is being waged on this landscape of the mind. When those who seek to control humanity can convince the world that what they say is true, we will rapidly descend into the most oppressive tyranny ever seen. And I just want to soak in the irony here of, you know, one of Donald Trump's biggest supporters saying he wants to fight back against the war on reality. I mean, that's just... The most ironic thing I probably ever read. Yeah, I'm just I'm taking I'm taking a sauna right now. I'm taking a jacuzzi (laughs) in that irony. It's quite relaxing. Yeah. And this in the light of the recent war on reality from Trump, Hurricane Dorian Sharpiegate. So that was that was the weekend horror that we went right through. No, because some of his reports actually said that there might be there was an old map and they said that they might get, you know, like a trickle. And so it's yep. it's your fake and it's a hoax. And oh, God, Man, you uh, it up. I'm Scott Adams and I can't figure out how to get around this one. I mean, it reminds me of some kind of fight I get into with my brother when we were children. Like yes. I would be, you know, just, just go on and on about something so pointless and stupid. But apparently that's what tops the news cycle these days. Yep. I'm anyway. glad we're not talking about how to help the victims of Hurricane Dorian because that would be a waste of time. That is a waste of time. Yes. So continuing the about section, Alex Jones has built InfoWars from the ground up, putting profits back into the company to continue to grow exponentially. Capital E, exponentially. (laughs) Alex has never taken a loan and is not beholden to advertisers, investors, or any other group that could censor or influence his position. The listeners and viewers are Alex's partners, and he has vowed to honor their trusts and always remain truly independent. Jones is dedicated to libertarian and constitutionalist ideas, in addition to what he coined 1776 Worldwide, promoting a true culture of liberty, 
transparency, and freedom on a planetary scale. Sounds kind of globalist. Yeah, it does. <laughs> to empower yeah. humanity. I was like, wait. While vehemently opposing Agenda 21 and the globalist threat to national sovereignty. By the way, uh, Agenda 21 is the, the UN plan to uh, depopulate the Earth and put uh, us all um, into little uh, mega cities. Okay. Yes. Honestly, I you know, I, at least he's giving lip service to the words liberty and freedom. I honestly, truly do not remember ever hearing President Trump talk about such things. <laughs> Like I mean, maybe unless it's about the liberty and freedom for Mike Pence to stay at his properties while traveling oh, that's the good world. Point. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Also, I just want to say 1776 worldwide is the most frightening phrase <laughs> I think I've ever heard. I could just imagine a fascist government in the U.S. using that phrase oh, to God. build an empire. It's, it's just scary. terrifying. All right. So we know what InfoWars is supposed to be and also what it's not supposed to be and what it's not supposed to be. Definitely is only for angry white males, as, you know, InfoWars critics maintain. It's supposed to be a tool for all of humanity, regardless of color or creed, to free itself from the shackles of the New World Order and spread Jeffersonian democracy throughout the globe. Surely, the demographics reflect this, right? Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. I would go with yes. We'll go into that. See, we're fair and balanced at Nundere Call Ordinary, so I went straight to Alex Jones' own numbers using the Free Speech Systems LLC Media Kit. Oh. This is a fun find. <laughs> the document doesn't have a date to indicate when it was created. I think looking at it, I'm going to say around maybe between 2010, 2013, but I'm not positive. Oh, okay. It boasts all kinds of impressive stats for InfoWars. However, given that InfoWars is a fake news site and Alex Jones is perhaps the least trustworthy individual in all of history, I decided <laughs> just for fun... To look at the current stats at Quantcast, and though some numbers are way off, there's some discrepancies. Scarily, enough of the media kit does appear to match up pretty well on certain key stats. Uh-huh. So, for instance, whereas the media kit boasted on average 3 million views per month, Quantcast has that number at 2.9 million. Mm-hmm. Just this month, in fact, the current number is above average at 3.52 million. One demographic stat you can find on Quantcast that is conveniently missing from the media kit is this one. 86% of InfoWars audiences are white. Well, mm. honestly, I have to say that you you are kind of bound to lose a few folks of color when you talk about our first African-American president smelling like sulfur and attracting flies. So that might, <laughs> yeah, be, that can, might, might be a that bit of a problem. Have an effect. I mean, really, um, the real problem here is that Forrest is outing himself as a proponent of white genocide. <laughs> anyone who mentions uh, white people That's a good point. and talks about white people is a proponent of white genocide. That's one thing I've learned on 8chan. Yep. Um, and sadly, it's gone now, so I can't learn any more fun facts like that. <laughs> You know, another big discrepancy is that according to the media kit, 42% of the audience are females, whereas according to Quantcast, that number is actually 19%. Hmm. So another pretty mm-hmm. big difference. So either the media kit's numbers were bullshit or the times have changed. Whatever the case, the target audience of InfoWars as of today are white males. And uh, here's another fact. The largest plurality of InfoWarriors make less than 50K a year, uh, with the second largest bracket coming in at between 50K to 100K per year, and that's 36% and 31% respectively, and compare that to the press kit, which states a plurality of 42% of listeners make more than $100,000 a year. So that's that's a pretty big change. All of these facts, this is why it's good that we have the AI supercomputers chronicling everything we do so we can get useful information about the InfoWars audience like this. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So we, as a Neocon podcast, we do work for the New World Order. So yes, exactly. We are pro AI supercomputer. (laughs) 
All right. So either InfoWars audiences have gotten more male, more white, more poor than at the time of the kit's creation, or again, the kit was just bullshit. Either way, once again, safe to say, InfoWars mainly caters to white males, a good portion of them probably not doing all that great financially, you know. So you get an idea of this audience. And what's so scary about this? Uh, I, I do want to say, though, I mean, the majority, almost everyone on the planet is a white male. So, I mean, this is good for them. They are, they are targeting all of humanity. The overlooked majority. Go. So... What's, you know, scary about this? Why should I care if some angry people are clicking on InfoWars? I mean, there's a big internet out there. This is just one site. And besides, Alex Jones has been deplatformed on social media. So his reach can't be that huge, right? Wrong. The most terrifying stat of all is that of all the websites out there in the US, InfoWars ranks number 513. So yeah, let that sink in. (laughs) There's only 512 (laughs) websites out there that outrank InfoWars. Well, you know what, guys? Let's be optimistic. So that's our next Patreon goal, guys. The amazing none dare called ordinary website that Dylan designed needs to outrank InfoWars. Let's make it happen. Donate to our Patreon account, everybody. Wait, let's, wait, what? Fred, are, are you going to ask a Russian bot farm to flood our website with views if we reach our Patreon goal? Like, I don't understand how this works. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess there's a way to do it. So how did InfoWars get started? What is its Marvel Studios origin story, as it were? According to a Business Insider article on this very topic, quote, Jones developed his signature style at the Austin Public Access TV station in the 90s. The station was wild and unmoderated, like the YouTube of its time. Brian Blake, the station's longtime producer and IT director, told BuzzFeed. Jones was just out of high school back then, but his performance on his public access show bore resemblance to the Jones his viewers and listeners know now. While his big break came from public access TV, Jones' first real job in media was with a local talk radio station. He got the job with the help of his father, a dentist, who recommended his son to a patient who managed the station. After his father made the connection, Jones was invited in for an interview. You know, I know this happens later on in his life, but we must not also forget Alex Jones's art film days, starring in Richard Linklater's film Waking Life. He fit perfectly in a film of constant philosophical discussions. So, yeah, I think his he was called the Street Prophet. That was the 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 official title. He was was also um, constant. Constant stupid discussions. Yes, I, let's, I not, gonna, let's not saddle philosophy I, with all this nonsense. Yeah, if you know nothing about philosophy, you'll think that movie's really deep. I get all my philosophy from Richard Linklater. Come on. We don't just talk about lucid dreaming. <laughs> There's more to it than that. <laughs> so this is, again, quoting the article. He just walked into the booth, sat down, and started in on a rant cold. I never <laughs> saw anything like that, Ryan Shu, the nation's radio engineer at the time, told BuzzFeed News. All right. Because Brent, Dylan, and myself are nerds, we knew who Alex Jones was and what InfoWars was long before pretty much anyone else did. It was during the 9-11 was an inside job era that we became aware of him. And weren't those wonderful days, guys, when you had to dig this shit up rather than it being your face like yes, all the time, uh, nonstop? Yes, yeah. it was. Good days. Those were the days. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of you people, it probably wasn't until 2006 when Alex Jones interviewed Charlie Sheen <laughs> during his drug-induced and cartoonishly <laughs> narcissistic tirade that InfoWars achieved major traction. And I would like to say there's many gems in this interview of Charlie Sheen, but really, it's just one giant shiny gem. That's what this whole interview <laughs> is. It's it's hard to pick favorite moments, but here's a few. Here's uh, Charlie Sheen on his struggles with addiction. 
I've cleansed myself. I just closed my eyes and in a nanosecond, I cured myself from this ridiculous model of disease, addiction, and obsession. It's just the work of sissies. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You know, this bootleg cult, you know, arrogantly referred to as Alcoholics Anonymous now supports a 5% success rate. My success rate is 100%. Do the math. <laughs> it's 95% Keep better. in mind that Sheen was blitzed out of his mind as he said this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, he had me at sissies. Just saying that. Like, oh, I'm in. Also, uh, FYI, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a cult. What? Addiction is a disease. And uh, please get help if you need (laughs) it. On magic and poetry. Quote, I've got magic and I've got poetry at my fingertips. Most of the time, and this includes naps, I'm an F-18 and I will destroy you in the air and I will deploy my ordinance to the ground. (laughs) What the fuck? <laughs> Magic of poetry while taking naps. I think Charlie Sheen isn't watching too much Waking Life, actually. He has, yeah. yeah. I'm going to, every time I take a nap now, I'm going to, ske- that's my scheduled magic and poetry time. <laughs> yes. On love, violence, and winning. If you love with violence and you hate with violence, there's nothing that can be questioned. And people say, oh, you know you have to work through your resentments. Yeah, no, I'm going to hold on to them and they're going to feel my attack. <laughs> they're going to feel my battle cry of my deadly and dangerous secret and silent soldiers because they're all around you anyway. Thought you were messing with one dude. Sorry, winning. <laughs> So basically just a normal daily tweet from the president of the United States. Got it. Yeah, okay. pretty much. And this is on Alex Jones telling Charlie Sheen that he sounds like, of all people, Thomas Jefferson. Quote, well, I'm not Thomas Jefferson. He was a pussy. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. Says the man on Two and a Half Men. Um, I, I don't know. Is that... Is that- <laughs> I think meant to say sissy, but that's fine. Yeah. All right. It was also in 2006 that Alex Jones opened up InfoWars Store, which was moderately successful. But it's not until it's rebranding as InfoWars Life when he would start selling his infamous line of supplements and the cash really started flowing in. InfoWars Info Life. Life. That sounds like a nightmare. According to a May 2017 BuzzFeed News article, quote, the supplements, according to multiple former InfoWars employees, completely transformed Jones' burgeoning operation into a media empire. According to one former employee, Jones bragged that the InfoWars store grossed $18 million between 2012 and 2013. Another source puts that number closer to $10 million. And this was before the popularity Jones and InfoWars enjoy today. Part of the success of the store came from Jones' ruthless deal-making. And this is a quote, I watched him on the phone with some poor author who'd written a book Jones wanted to buy, and Alex would negotiate him down until he's making no money, Jack Blood, <laughs> a former radio colleague, said. Oh, man, and Jack Blood, you know he's telling the truth. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jack Blood. <laughs> yeah, Jack Blood. He's, he's another, uh, he's kind of another Alex Jones type figure, actually. Didn't, didn't achieve quite the fame Alex got, but yeah. he is one of those guys. So what are the names of some of these supplements? What can they do for you? Here's just the tip of the iceberg. There's bubblegum flavored non-fluoride toothpaste. I, I, okay, I like how he takes out the one thing that helps your teeth, fluoride, yet keeps in the thing that destroys your teeth, sugar. That is perfect. Perfect <laughs> I toothpaste. I also like, so uh, in Michigan, the governor is planning on banning flavored oh, e-cigarettes. Yeah. I'm glad, though, that you'll still legally be able to buy bubblegum flavored non-fluoride toothpaste. <laughs> I like how that's... <laughs> 
That's totally. the real thing we need to put in kids' mouths. That's right. Also, Brent, wasn't there a time when you tried non-fluoride toothpaste a long time ago, and then your dentist like looked at your teeth? It did and yeah? Freaked they were out? like, I told him, and they said, "Yeah, you may want to go back to that." It was a, it was from Trader Joe's, and I had noticed it. I was like, "Oh, oh God. yeah," but whatever. <laughs> um, Basically, the also, any yeah. any cleaning product, whether you put it in your mouth, on your skin, or on the floor, if it's all natural, it fucking sucks. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> It doesn't it's work. It's crap. It's kind of true. And then the sleeping pills they have there are called knockout sleep support pills. There's Brain Force Plus. Now, you know, that that for sure will put you into recovery mode. So yes. Oh, yeah. There's super male vitality, you know, because, of course, you don't want to be either putting chemicals the in the water. Yeah. They're turning you gay and trans That's and right. all that. So you don't want to have Fight that happen. So. I mean, they know that, you know, we talked about, I think, like 86 percent white male demographic. You know, it's also a 100 percent beta male demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect marketing. <laughs> Then there's something called DNA Force Plus. I, you know, I don't know about this one because it sounds like some, you know, New World Order nanotechnology to me, but I don't like it. Sounds scary. It's like New World Order CRISPR or something. Yeah, I would think Alex Jones wouldn't believe in DNA. Yeah. Uh, there's this one is great. It's called the real red pill plus when you want to get super real about your race. Yes. Yeah, super race realism. Really, really. And about how all women are terrible. That too. <laughs> there's something called gut fusion. There's <laughs> no, thanks. Pass. I'd like to. I'm going to keep my guts separate. <laughs> yeah. I think I think all the parts are are separated for a reason. <laughs> and then there's one called immune wall. Oh, is Mesco paying for this wall as well? Uh, and they're yeah, not really doing maybe. it. Maybe. Regulize complete. Because we want to all be regular, regularized. I, I want to deregulate the regularize complete personally. But. <laughs> and then here's a great one. Prostate guard. I think we all men mm. need that for sure. <laughs> we all get prostate cancer eventually if we do not have our yeah. prostate guard. And so anyway, this list just goes uh, on and on. I mean, seriously, so if you visit the store, it seems like you can quote, load the next 24 products in an in just an infinite number of times. It just, I couldn't get to the end of the fucking list. Wow. I was just scrolling, load the next 24 products, click, scroll. And it was just like never fucking ended. I mean, I don't know how many yeah. supplements the man could have. All right. So what you might say, it's just a bunch of harmless snake oil. What's the big deal? Well, as Jordan Peterson would put it, hold it right there, buckaroo, because it ain't as harmless as you might think. In fact, a concerning amount of lead was found by the Center for Environmental Health in an InfoWars product called True Paleo Caveman Formula. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, you know, clearly documented that our caveman ancestors ate lead. So that makes sense. Mm, yes, yes. Also, if you um, if you there is an episode on last week tonight about all these Alex Jones supplements mm, and they mentioned right. true paleo caveman formula and how it's made out of it's like chocolate and dead chickens. Oh, God. Uh, so it's pretty rough. So not pretty vegan. rough. Do they have a vegan version I can have? Uh, no, uh, because according to Alex Jones, vegans don't exist. Oh, that's a good point. Well, I don't. All right, fine. And for all those InfoWars out there listening right at this moment, because I know you're out there and you love our podcast. You're sipping on your caveman formula beverage and you heard this and now you're freaking out. But don't freak out just yet unless you're pregnant or you yourself are a child, <laughs> in which case start freaking the fuck out right now. And while you're at it, get yourself a lawyer, a good one, uh, a very good lawyer. Yeah. Children shouldn't be listening to Alex Jones in general, but let's so there's yeah, a good meta bunk post on this subject. And it points out, although the media reportings on this were perhaps overblown insofar as it might negatively affect male sperm count, it's not just totally fake news as actual fake news sites like natural news would lead you to believe. This is quoting the post. One daily serving of caveman adds 
three micrograms of lead to the diet and gives it a total concentration of 143 parts per billion. So let's put those numbers into perspective. The EPA takes action when lead concentrations in drinking water exceed 15 parts per billion. Most foods, 88% tested, have a lead concentration lower than one part per billion, and the highest is liver and beef at 24 parts per billion. Further in the post, caveman formula's lead concentration of 143 parts per billion is quite high compared to most dietary sources. Lead concentrations this high could very well be dangerous to infants and developing fetuses. So there it is, guys. I've kind of sort of defended Roy Cohn, Henry Kissinger, Adolf Hitler, Vladimir Putin, and now InfoWars <laughs> Caveman Formula. So great. Oh, God. Next up, Trump. Man, you are on a roll. So, wait, you know, supplements aren't the only thing the store sells. Here's another great thing. You can also find books. You can get a lot of knowledge from these books. Keep reading. Keep your brain healthy and young. Take this gem called SJW's Always Lie by some nerd going by the name of Vox Day. Quote, the book is named after the first law of SJWs. SJWs always lie. SJWs always lie is a useful guide to understanding, anticipating, and surviving SJW attacks from the perspective of a man who has not only survived, but thrived after experiencing multiple attempts by social justice warriors to disqualify, discredit, and disemploy him. And actually, that's funny. He says he thrived after this. And I, there's a lot of these folks that seem to really thrive oh, yeah. after an SJW attack because it huh, seems to get weird. them a lot of views on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, a lot of money. Written by Vox Day, Supreme Dark Lord of the Evil Legion of Evil and three-time Hugo nominee who is described as the most hated man in science fiction by Blackgate and the Wall Street Journal, SJWs always lie as a powerful weapon in the cultural war against the thought police. Wow. So I'm, I'm glad to see that even though he hasn't won the Hugo Award yet, he is still writing science fiction. <laughs> and and so that's it for this episode. But we want to recap the this episode and the previous two episodes in our Alex Jones series yes. to get everyone on the same page. Waco allowed Alex Jones to ingratiate himself into the conspiracy nut community. It was breaking into the Bohemian Grove where he proved his street cred. 9-11 <laughs> conspiracy theories and the internet brought him to a much wider audience than just public access TV and radio. Charlie Sheen's drug-induced bout of lunacy made him a mainstream sensation. And hawking lead-contaminated supplements allowed him to get into the internet's one percenters club. But it wasn't until Alex Jones completely sold his soul to a certain real estate mogul named Donald J. Trump that the true madness begins. <laughs> but that is going to have to wait until next week. And with that... We are done. done. Thank you for listening to None Dare Call It Ordinary. You can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at None Dare Call It Ordinary, and send us an email at None Dare Call It Ordinary at gmail.com. For only $1 a month, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. For information on all our episodes, as well as links to our YouTube channel and Discord server, head over to our website at nondarecallitordinary.com. As always, we ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served.